0: been great. I have loved getting to know the ladies that I've gotten to speak to, even some ladies from my own church that I've gotten to know just by being up here. I'm so thankful for that. I have, for the first time, really feel like I've gotten to know Hagar. (laughs) I'm amazed at all the details that I had never heard. But Is anybody else with me like, whoa, I didn't know that about Hagar. I didn't know that about Hagar. It is incredible it's amazing when you take time to actually study the scriptures how much of the scripture you realize I really don't know and there's so much of it and it's so good it's so so good I'm talking today on friendship you see it says I am your sister I am your friend our identities here on this earth, we talked a little bit about this last night, us being moms, those of us in here that are moms that identify, if someone said, oh, who are you? What do you do? Those that would say, oh, well, I'm a mom. Or those of us that, would, that are married would say, oh, I'm a wife. Or those of us who are single you might say whatever your job is. Those, all of those things are things that we do and we we have identity in them but those are not lasting identities. See in the Bible, the Bible teaches that when I go to heaven, my husband Neil, who's my best friend, who's the closest person to me, he no longer will be my husband in heaven. When we go to heaven, I'm not gonna be mothering Cherish anymore. I'm not gonna be, I won't be her mommy, I will be the person that was her mother here on earth. Do you know what? We will always have When my children have trusted Christ, if you have trusted Christ, we will always, always be sisters. My eternal relationship with that young lady right there is her sister in heaven because we share the same Father who is Jesus Christ. And that's the same for each one of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior. I'm your sister and I'm your friend We should be friends with our sisters, shouldn't we? We should be friends. We should be going out of our way to love each other. Um, I've been so welcomed with the friendliness of this church and the women of the other churches that have come in. I mean, really, you guys really do know how to lather on the friendship and the love and the care. Friendships can be messy. My daughter um, cherished when she was about four years old, she was at my dad's house with her best friend which is also my niece her name is joanna joanna and cherish were sitting they had spent the night at grandma and grandpa's and grandpa was up getting breakfast and grandma was back in the bedroom and grandpa got them breakfast and they're just sitting and eating and my dad decided oh i need to get something for me and he picks up this granola bar and he was like huh this only has a hundred calories in it and he says anna these granola bars I bought, you know, he's all proud of himself. These granola bars are only 100 calories in here. And he said in the back, he heard the two of them talking. And Joanna said, hey, what, what's a calorie anyway? <laughs> and before my dad could answer, Cherish chimes in very confidently. Oh, I know. They are something you want to get rid of. <laughs> I don't know if I messed up her mind with calories and teaching her the wrong thing. <laughs> but friendships are neat because we get to learn and we get to grow in our friendships. But friendships can also be messy, can't they? They can be messy. you can you can rub somebody the wrong way and you didn't even mean to, somebody who you love and care for, and you can really mess up a friendship. Um, boisterous, fun-loving friends, life-of-the-party friends, may at times be a little bit too much to handle. (laughs) At times you're like, okay, I'm done. I need to go away from you for a little while. And then there's the shy, backward, quiet friend that may feel intimidated or unwelcome and they don't really want to put themselves out there even when they're feeling truly lonely and without companionship. Temperament and personality, age, similarities, and preferences, they all play a very big role in friendship. They, they play a big role in who we desire to be friends with, right? When we somebody see somebody and we think, oh, that, that seems like somebody I would want to be friends with. Think of the people that you're attracted to, to be friends with. Think about them. Why are you attracted to being their friend? Is it similar interests? You know, I have the in our in our community in Las Vegas. There are so many Mormon families, and you know what? I love them. I mean, I get along with those Mormon mamas like this. I really do. We have very similar ideas about things. We want to love our husbands the way we're supposed to love them properly. We want to raise our kids. We have very biblical values on on family and very similar what we want our family we want to love our family treat them teach them to be honest and kind and all those things but our friendship can only reach a certain level because our friendship is based only on our similarities and our preferences the bible speaks to friendship all throughout scripture and we're going to focus our attention to the book of the bible the book of the Bible that means friendship. Now, don't you think, if God wanted you to know about friendship, it would be a good idea if he named a book friendship. Oh, oh, my daughter, she's struggling with friendship. Oh, I'll put a, I'll make sure that she has a book in the Bible she can go to, when she needs to know what a true friend is. And that's what we find in the book of Ruth. So you can open your Bibles to the book of Ruth. I have on the pamphlet all of the scripture that we're going to be talking about as well. So it can be right there for you too. But the book of Ruth features very two unlikely friends that form a bond that not only will will change their future, but it results in actually transforming our world this affects this friendship not this the effects of this friendship doesn't only reach into our present our right now but it reaches into our eternity but before we get into it let's ask the lord just one more time to speak through me and that he will be the one that speaks and shares today lord i thank you for the opportunity to be here it is an honor to share your word. I thank you for the ladies that are here. I pray that you'll speak through me. Help me to be clear and concise and quick. Lord, I know everybody's tired. We've had a great time. But Lord, I pray that you'll use this last session to help sharpen friendships for you. Sharpen our sisterhood for you, Lord. Not for ourselves, but for you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Now, if you notice, this whole session, we're not focusing on how I can get a best friend, how I can see that person and I want them to be my friend. We're not focusing on that. This session is focusing on how I can be the friend. Of a lifetime to somebody else. How I can look and say, that person needs a friend. I'm gonna go out of my way to be the friend to her. That's what this session is about. Not saying, oh, I want to have, you know, I wish I had that person as my friend, that person as my friend. No, for you to go and be the friend that God intended you to be. Now, Naomi. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Naomi. I love Naomi cuz she is so just us as Christian women. She lived truly a full life. She really did. She she when we think of a full life, you know, you get you grow up, you know, if you have if you have the Savior, you grow up. Everybody has problems, right? She grew up. She got to fall in love and get married. She got to not only just have one child, but she had two child children she then faced some financial difficulty we all know that we live here in 2022 right and then as she aged her husband passed away and as she aged she saw her sons pass away Now, that's horrible to go through but god did give naomi a very full life in comparison to what Ruth had. Now Ruth, she had a pagan family. She married strangers from her land. You know, she married the Israelite boy. That's what that moved into their land, which already makes you an outcast if you're marrying somebody outside of your, out of your land. God did not allow her, she got married, but God did not allow her to have children. She was married for 10 years as a barren woman. Now that's a horribly hard thing to deal with even now, but back then that was your social status. You weren't having children, you're really looked down upon. Her husband dies only after 10 years of being married to him. She's widowed. Now, what we find in Scripture is she could have stayed in her own house with her, with her mother's family, or she could have even gone back to her own husband's house because that's what Naomi suggests. Go back to your husband's house. So it's not like she didn't have anything there back in Moab she left everything that she had everything to go with Naomi here is something interesting this just fascinating history she comes from does anybody know Ruth the what I said it earlier do you what the Moabites now The Moabites, this is what's really fascinating. When I found out about the Moabites, I mean, I just wanted to tell everybody about this. Moabites, Ruth the Moabite, you all know who Ruth is. We all know she's Ruth the Moabite. The Moabites are direct descendants of Lot. Not just Lot. Lot and his daughter. You know the story of Lot. He fled Sodom and Gomorrah with his two daughters and his wife, who turned back and turned into a pillar of salt, and they ran into the mountains. And it's one of the most grotesque stories I have ever heard, not just in scripture, but ever, is that these daughters were concerned that they weren't going to have offspring. See how important offspring was back then, that they said, Let's get dad drunk and have relationship with him, and so we'll get pregnant by him. And that is who Ruth was a descendant descendant of, the incest family. So when she's listed in Scripture, and when people, when she walks into Israel, to where all the Israelites are, and they say, That's Ruth, the Moabite, ugh. That's Ruth, the Moabitess. How disgusting. Oh, oh yeah, we know Ruth, the Moabite. That was Ruth's reputation that went before her that she had nothing to do with. So in comparison, the two of them one of them had jehovah god one of them had eternal security in the promise of a future savior the messiah coming and the other was raised by pagans with a husband dying after 10 years really just kind of left and not wanting to stay with these pagans because she knows what the pagan life is like and she wanted to leave Ruth and Naomi make it back to Bethlehem. Everyone's excited to see Naomi. And what does Naomi do? She proclaims, Call me not Naomi. Call me bitter, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Through all this, Ruth continued loving her friend even when it didn't seem to be in Ruth's best interest in fact she kept being her friend kept being her friend kept being her friend and Naomi eventually helped her snag her man Boaz Boaz happens to be the son of another woman who happens to have a bad connotation to her name Rahab the harlot I think that's fascinating that the Lord allowed her to marry Boaz, that Boaz understood a woman who could be changed, that only God could do that change in her life because he had... Can you imagine Rahab going into the Israelite camp? Oh, that's Rahab the harlot. Yeah, we know you. Rahab the harlot. Ruth the Moabite. But what's so incredible is that eventually Ruth becomes the great-great-grandparents of King David, who King David ends up being great-great-grandparents of Jesus Christ himself. And he is the eternal friend. That is the best story ever. When you see the generations of what God planned and allowed, and you see the final impact, what happened. There are some key truths to learn from the friendships of Ruth and Naomi. Number one is friendship is a gift, a God-given gift. And we were made for friendship. Okay, a few years ago, um, my oldest son was about five years old. My daughter was uh, two, and Lincoln had just been born. And we were all excited because we were going to go to Disneyland, and we couldn't wait. We were going, getting in the we we were going to get in our minivan, and we were going to put um, just get all the kids right after Sunday night church. I had everything packed. So as soon as the pastor said, amen, we darted out to our car and we would drive for four and a half, five hours to get to Disneyland because we had a hotel there. And we were so excited to take our kids to Disneyland. And all in the back seat of our car, the, we had taken out the middle seat and we only and we put all the luggage right in the middle there and we let the three kids sit in the back. Well, we shoved in, you know, they're all little at this time, so they all had to be in car seats. So their car seats are all shoved in real tightly. Someone had gifted us this van. We denied it was an older lady that Neil, her husband had passed away and Neil had taken care of her for that year he had taken her to everything to get everything settled in her life before she had moved to be with her son in fresno and we were with that lady all the time we love her and she said i want this van to go to you guys and i want you guys to be able your family's growing we had a tiny little car and she said your family's growing and i want you to be able to have a vehicle so it was amazing gift from god They're sitting in the back of the van. And when you drive at night from Las Vegas to California, there's nothing but desert. I mean, and that you have a little little place called Baker, and then you have Barstow, and you just keep driving. It's just desert, desert, desert. So we're driving, there's a road, it's a famous road called Zizek's Road. And we're driving, it's about hour and 45 minutes outside of Vegas, and the kids had finally settled down. Everybody's sleeping, you know, ready to just relax, and, and Neil and I are finally talking, it's quiet, and I look over, and outside, he's driving, past him, it looks like there's like a glow on the side, outside beneath the car, and I looked over, and I was like, what is that? It kind of looked like, you know, people have neon lights that they put underneath the bottom of their car. Yeah, well, we had a mom minivan. We didn't have that. <laughs> and I said, is our car on fire? And my husband said, what? And he looked and he pulled over to the side of the road and he said, he jumps out of the car and he says, our car's on fire. Yes. And I said, our cars on fire get the kids out our cars on fire he said yes what other car what other thing is there get the kid cars on fire get the kids out of course so he's trying to make it s- slow the fire down and as it's you just see smoke billowing up on the sides of our car now my kids are asleep I go over and I grab Lincoln, the first one he's in the baby car seat. You know, the ones that they're supposed to be able to survive everything in. So I take him and I'm like, "Okay, hey, hope you survive." And I toss him out. And I see Cherish. They're they're just rubbing their eyes getting out of out of the bed. I'm sorry, out of the car being asleep. I get Cherish. I pop her car seat out. Pop pop her pop her out of her car seat. And I set her on the side of the road. By this time, flames are at the sides of our windows all around. It's flaming now. And I go over and I get Trey. Now, Trey is five years old, so Trey is coherent about everything that's actually going on. And he sees the flames. And I go to get Trey out of the car, out of the car seat. He was in one of those real high back booster seats. Well, when I go to get him out, The buckle where you press was underneath the actual big car seat. And it was stuck in between Cherish's car seat. And I thought, that's okay. I'll just pull him out of the seatbelt. Like I literally thought I was going to be able to. So I go over to Trey and I grab his five year old little body, and he's looking right at me with huge eyes. And I grab him and I pull him. And of course his legs don't come out. And he looks at me and he says, Mommy, get me out of this car. And I wasn't fearful until right then. And I said, God, please get this kid out of this car. And I remembered I had some scissors inside of middle console and i thought okay if i can't get him out i'm going to try one more time to get for that buckle and if i can't get him out i'm going to go grab those scissors and just keep gnawing at it until the belt actually comes loose so i took my foot and i took cherish's car seat who was which was really what was blocking me from being able to get that get that buckle and I put all my body weight as much as I could on it and I reached under and I couldn't see it and I felt around but I felt and I thought okay I think that's the clicker and I was able to unclick that seatbelt and he just jumped on me and we made it out of the car and we stood there as we watched our entire car get engulfed with flames and if you've ever seen in real life, a car engulfed in flames. It doesn't like on the movies, like explode, but it does have four tires. And those four tires, just the loudest. And it's like fireworks, but 10 times that. And you heard one after the other, after the other, After the other, as we stood and watched, and on the side of the road, my children had no socks and shoes on. One of them was in their boxer shorts standing. He had taken off his Sunday suit pants and was like totally relaxing in the back of of the car. And we stood there and we watched that van go up in flames. God totally took care of us. Somebody came to the side of the road, gave my kids socks that they had just bought, that they didn't need at at the at the mall on the way out. He said, something just told me to buy these socks. I don't even need them. And all of my kids had white tube socks up to their <laughs> knees. To stand They brought them into their car, gave them all this food. They had just stopped and gotten food, too. It was amazing how God took care of us. But that gift of the van, that's a good gift. But there was a big mess from that good, good gift look God gives us gifts and the gift of friendship is a very good gift we see here the beauty of the friendship between Ruth and Orpah and Naomi as they say goodbye to each other if you ever been hurt by friends and you've sworn off friendships can I encourage you today that that's not God's plan for you friendship is a true gift and he wants you to give your gift of friendship to someone who needs it. We read in Ruth 1, 7 through 9, Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go, return, each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead, and with me the Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband." Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice, and they wept. They did find a friend in Ruth. They th- I, I truly believe that they finally found out what a real family was like, and real friendship was like, or what it was supposed to be like. Number two, eternal friendships are based not on self, but on God. We per, we should pursue friendships outside of our own interests and base our friendships on God himself. Think of Ruth and Naomi. I really don't know a lot of mother-in-law and daughter-in-law best friend teams. I don't. I know there are some because I have met a few, and they truly have worked out like the how to be best friends, and it's amazing. But... Normally, the norm is best friends don't happen out of mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, right? I mean, most of us have seen that, if not in our own life, but in somebody else's. What's interesting about this is that God wants us to understand that the woman who is a Christian, she's your sister. Doesn't matter. What she looks like—it doesn't matter. Her age, her nationality, her wealth, her social status, her enemies, her her um, her politics, her medical or social beliefs—you know—so often we go and we can only be friends with somebody who oh. I breastfeed oh you breastfeed too oh good we can be besties oh oh you're anti-vax oh yeah me too okay this. the rest of the world's crazy oh oh you bottle feed yes we're besties oh you're 65 I'm 65 too no God says stop dividing each other up you all are sisters and your friendship shouldn't be based on all these silly things that do not matter for eternity your friendship shouldn't be based on age, social status, wealth, who you're and that I really think enemies. That is not what a friendship is based on. Oh, I can't stand her either. Oh, yeah, what a jerk. Yeah. That that is a friendship doomed for failure when you have a friendship based on common enemies. Look, Ruth and Naomi, they're just prime examples of this. Their backgrounds were completely opposite. Couldn't be any more different. Ruth the Moabite was from the land of Moab. Like I said, descended of Lot and his daughters. Her name itself would have caused discrimination against her in Naomi's country. Like I said, she walks in, oh Ruth the Moabite. Look, racial tension between Naomi and Ruth's nations was a big deal back then because the Israelites had recently come in and demolished a lot of the men in Moab. And so there would have been some really high racial tensions. Naomi was old. Ruth was young. Naomi was blessed with children. Ruth had not been given children by God. That's not what should divide us. Oh, I have four kids, you have four kids. I homeschool, you, you put your kids in private school. Oh, that's not what should divide us. What should divide us is what the word of God says. And God says, look, you're either of your father in heaven or your father of Satan. That is the dividing thing, and if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are the child of God, therefore we're sisters, and therefore there shouldn't be that division. What made the difference in their friendship? I believe we find this in verse 16 of Ruth 1, when Ruth states, your people will be my people, and thy God, my God. Now you think, well, what does that mean? Can I challenge you? I really think that Naomi had a major part in discipling Ruth. I know Naomi has some issues, call me Mara, but haven't we been like that? How are you today? Tired. <sighs> yeah, should see our 401ks everything. Oh, Biden. Oh, my life is horrible. Everything's gone downhill since everything. I, the world is a mess. We've all been there, right? We've been where Naomi is. But I think Naomi really had an impact on Ruth's life because I think she really discipled her. And you think, what's discipling? She taught her the ways of how you serve our God. She taught her. She lived it. Ruth would have seen how Naomi lived her faith out. If you don't have, if you have a discipleship program in your church, can I please? Discipleship has made my friendships bond with somebody more than any other thing. When I've been able to take friends, when I look and I say, Look, I'm not looking. how old you are. I'm not looking at your nationality. I'm not looking if you're rich or poor. I'm just looking, are you a willing servant that wants to learn what the Bible says? Hey, let's get together every week and study the Bible together. Do you know that has built my closest, most faithful friendships in all of the world? And I have amazing, wonderful friends. And that the, what we have based our friendship on is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the rich and the poor meet together and the Lord is the maker of them all. What does that mean? That means nowhere else in the world are you gonna go and the rich and the poor, the most extreme opposites in the world, are going to get together and have a commonality. But you know where there's commonality in the extreme opposites? In church. God says, it is here in the presence of God where we all understand there's no difference. My color, there's no difference. My wealth, there's no difference. What's the, all of those things don't matter. Because what's the same is that we're children of the one true king. And when you get all of those other things out of the way that divide us and you base your friendship on Jesus Christ, you base those friendships on getting together and studying those devotional books every week, you take those friendships and you get together and you get a good discipleship program and you're studying the scriptures weekly, that is where you're going to build eternal friendships. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. That's how I met Melinda. Melinda's been one of my best friends for, I don't even know how long. I'm sorry, Melinda. <laughs> She's had to put up with me for a long time. I saw Melinda. I asked God. Um, I was I was single, and I had come back to our church, and at that time, we didn't have a lot of single um, ladies in our church. And I said, God, I really, I had been home for about a year after graduating college, and I said, God, would you just bring me a friend? Would you just bring me? A girlfriend we had some guys at our church but I was really tired of you know going and playing basketball with them and I was <laughs> like God will you please bring me a girlfriend that was Saturday night on my way home passing the gym I said that to the Lord the next day one of the pastors at our church said to me hey there's a lady coming today that I'd like you to ask to go to lunch with and I said, oh, okay. And I still never even thought this is the friend. I didn't even think of it as an answer to prayer. I saw, okay, this is just another do the next right thing. And so I was introduced to Melinda. And I said, hey, do you want to go to dinner tonight? We went to, I don't know, I think Chili's or something. And we started talking. And I said, hey, do you want to do discipleship? She said, what's that? And I said, it's when we study the Bible every week together. She said, sure. I said, do you want to? She's like, what else do you? And I'm like, well, Tuesday night, we go out and visit all the church members or the church people that came to visit the church. Do you want to go do that? She said, sure. So she became my Tuesday night visitation partner. And I said, hey, on Saturdays, we go and invite people to church. Do you want to do that? And she said, sure. (laughs) And now, 15 years later, 17 years later, hey, you want to go to a ladies' conference (laughs) up in Firmly? Sure. (laughs) But what's amazing, quite honestly, Melinda and I could tell you, our lives are extreme opposites. Our upbringing are very extreme opposites. Our experiences are extreme opposites. According to the world, we should not be friends. In fact, according to the world, we should probably be at odds with each other. And yet, she is one of the most spiritually encouraging people to my soul. And you can have that too. It's when you base your friendship on Jesus Christ and not all the other things that Satan wants you to say, oh, Oh, but I don't have any friends because there's no one my age there. I don't I don't have any friends because I don't have kids, but everybody else has kids. Oh, I don't have any friends because I'm single and everybody else is married. Or I don't have any friends because I'm married and none of those married women like me. Or I don't have any friends because I'm stuck with these kids all day and I can't get out of the house and I become a crazy person. <laughs> Whatever it is. But let me encourage you to get involved in discipling and making that your number one basis of your friendships. You know, there's going to be somebody that would be thrilled if you asked them to sit with them at church or grab a cup of coffee together. One of the most memorable quotes from my childhood was my mom telling me, Look, Charity, my mom's a very matter-of-fact person. It's not like, you know, it's not all this feely stuff. It's like, suck it up. Life is tough. Get to work. That's how my mom is. She said, Charity, look, go find somebody who needs a friend. If they don't want to be your friend, move on and find somebody else who does there are plenty of people in this world that need you to be their friend and you know that sounds silly and sounds like matter of fact but the truth is we're looking and saying oh but i want that person to be my friend i want that person i want the friendship they have instead of looking and saying whoa that person needs a friend i could be that friend for that person that person needs a friend i could be that friend for that person I remember walking into college, There's about just under 5,000 students. And I wasn't freaked out of my mind because I thought, there's about 1,500 of us that don't know anybody. So I just need to go find all the freshmen and introduce myself to them because they all are feeling the same way. They're like, I don't have any friends. People want to have you as a friend, whether they know it or not. Be that person that when you're discouraged, go get a Starbucks and drop it off at somebody's house. You know, don't even just ring the doorbell and leave. You know, the dropping stuff up at people's houses and like expecting them to let you in. And that's scary with your homeschooling mom. You're like, you don't want to see this right now. <laughs> don't <laughs> surprise me. Look, now I do want to stop here and remind people who are thinking, Look, I've put everything into the friendship and I never see any return. Maybe you should look for someone else to invest that into. There are people that want you to be their friend, really, and that would be receptive of that friendship. Number three, eternal friendships have the right expectations. I told this last year. but. I think there's a whole lot more ladies here so I want to tell you some of you this year it's just one of the funniest things to me and it's hilarious my daughter when she was four Felicity she had directly disobeyed me she ran off into the I told her okay you need to go back in the bedroom you're getting disciplined go now it was direct defiantly disobeying she sat there on the on the bed waiting to get a little spanking and we sat there, she, she was disciplined, and then this was the reconciliation time. She sat on my lap, she had asked me for forgiveness, I had forgiven her, I had told her she lo- I loved her, she had told me that she loved me, and she's sitting there, with. and she's cute. She has like this precious moments face, okay? She's like really pretty and looks like the sweetest thing, right? And she's going, And I'm wiping her cheeks, the tears off her cheeks. And she looks up at me, and she says, mommy. And I said, yeah, baby. And she said, does grandma ever spank you? (laughs) And I said, oh, honey, no, not anymore. And she said, I wish she would. (laughs) Expectations. Felicity had the very wrong expectations. Look, eternal friendships have the right expectations. In friendship, we can expect good things, can't we? We can expect to you know, find some love and kindness in friendships. But we can also expect, expect this, we can expect to be hurt. We can expect, even in good friendships, we can expect to be disappointed we can expect to be used. The Bible says in Ruth 1:19 through 21, so they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. At one point, Naomi was in such depression. She told everyone to refer to her as bitter, because the Lord had dealt so bitterly with her. She said she left Bethlehem full, and then she came back empty. Here's my question for you. By Naomi expressing these words to the whole city, who do you think these words would have been hurtful to? I went out full, but now I'm here with nothing. Poor Ruth. Ruth left a house, because her husband's house was there. Ruth left family, because we know that her mother was there it says you can go back to your mother's house You're, you can go back there oh what a stab in the heart that would have been to ruth i left everything and now you say that i'm nothing man don't you think that hurt i know that would hurt me i, I just being vulnerable i would be like for real i mean i probably wouldn't be as nice as ruth i'd be like what am I? (laughs) Am I nothing? Essentially, Naomi didn't even recognize all that God had given her in the friendship of Ruth. She didn't even see what she had in this woman. Look, when the enemy discourages you, be that person to say, you know what? I'm going to look for somebody else that I can find and uplift. You know how encouraging that is? When we're sitting there discouraged and depressed, when we pull out some thank you notes and start writing people and thanking them for the things that you've seen them do in your life, when we pull out just a few weeks ago, I was having a really rough day. We, we, my son, who's eight years old, um, had, a, had a growth it was very concerning. We took him to the doctor and we were very concerned about him. It's on his leg and he had a very large lump, a very hard mass, and it was connected to his bone. And the doctor was concerned. One of my best friends who will be a doctor in within this year, she was very concerned. And so it's something I was praying about and asking God for peace with and I was just having a I really was having a hard time with it and then we had a bunch of other things going on and a bunch of things a few things our car totally broke down crazy like not fixable breaking down and i was having a really hard time and i i was just start i just start crying you know walking around you can't stop crying like thinking god is my son going to have cancer is, I don't know what, the the doctors, I could not get in touch with our doctor after he he was supposed to call and give us results. And I finally said, God, I can't do this. I'm I'm really, really struggling. And God told me, you need to start thanking me. And I thought, thanking you? And I realized there was so many blessings that had happened within those couple days like huge blessings all within that that struggling time so i opened up my computer and just with tears streaming down my eyes i just typed thing after thing after thing that god had allowed my 13 year old boy had gotten to lead his first two people to the lord and I was grieving, Of course, I was still because I didn't even know what was going on with my son, Of course, and that's fine. But I wasn't recognizing all the good that God was doing in the midst of those heartaches. God said, "You need to recognize what I'm doing good. You need to see the good that's going on here. And there was so many, I just told you the highlight because that, I think, was just like, wow, that is all you're doing, God. It was nothing of me. I wasn't even with the kid because I couldn't take my kid to the place because I had a broken car. Or somebody else had to pick him up. It was so neat to be like this was God's doing. This is so incredible. Naomi had a very hard time in in her misery recognizing the good. They now had food. You know, we're at a now place of plenty. Oh, that's why they went back. I have somebody that's willing to live with me and support me and help me. (sighs) Number four, eternal friendships invest without expectation of return. Now some people, this I have heard over and over, it's not a true friendship unless both are giving. But I don't see that in scripture. I don't see that in the life of Jesus Christ. Do you? The example of Jesus? Jesus gave everything for, him, uh, for us. What do we have to give for him? God, I have me. It's really nothing. <laughs> I'll give this back to you. But really, a true friendship, that's when you're saying, hey, a friendship I'm receiving from this friendship, and so I feel good about it. But just because you are on the giving end of the friendship doesn't mean it's not a true friendship. There are people that need you to go out of your way to be their friend, and you know what? You may never receive anything from that friendship. I know, I know ministry leader after ministry leader after ministry leader that understands that. You give and give and give into a friendship and there's nothing returned, but that's okay. It doesn't mean that that's not a friendship it just means you have not been you haven't received from that friendship but you truly have been that friend that that person needs whether they know it or not we can all learn from this elderly christian woman who once said this is this is really really good someone asked her why are you so nice even to people who are rude to you And she said because i i too have been rude to nice people and i know that rudeness often comes from a place of roaring pain and only the kindness of jesus can soothe that pain look there are so many things that people want to argue you know friendship is a big thing that people don't have But you will have so many more friends when you choose to look out and say, who can I be that friend for? Who can I go and say, hey, I want want to invest in this person's life. Doesn't matter if they're 45, doesn't matter if they're 72. Do you know how much fun it is to take out a 60-year-old lady when you're 30 and ask them questions? They are hilarious. The things that they will say, a seventy year old lady, it's it's awesome, but often because of our dividing of what we think friendship needs to be, we wouldn't consider them a friend. The Bible does now absolutely we should we should have expectations in friendship. We should expect to be hurt, expect to love and not always get that love return. We should expect to forgive and receive forgiveness. Why? Because it's a relationship and there's ups and downs in all relationships, look. Now, I do want to put in here, just like with any friendship, we should never allow for abuse in a friendship, okay? If you have a friend who is constantly purposefully hurting you, you need to walk away from that relationship. It's unhealthy. That's not a friendship. The Bible says in Proverbs 22:24, 24, Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So it doesn't mean you need to be abused in a friendship. Number five, the Bible says, in Ruth 3, 3 through 6, we'll read that in a moment, eternal friendships allow for new friendships to develop. The Bible says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? That it may be well with thee and now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast behold he went with barley tonight in threshing floor we go on to find out that she kind of set her up you know told her how to this is how you get Boaz and this is how you get married but there had to then be a distancing of that friendship the friendship between Ruth and Naomi was still there but now Ruth is going to have another best friend. Is going to be Boaz. And there has to be, Is sometimes, we have to be willing to allow friendships to move on. And no one likes to hear that. You want to be able to be best friends with the person that you spent a decade with. You want to, you, you have those memories. But do you know, a lot of times, God allows friendships to move apart so then there can be growth for new friendships. And if we don't allow those friendships to move apart, there won't be room for new growth of new friendships. The Bible says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. If God has a friend for you, And it's good for you, he's not going to withhold that from you. If for those who are walking uprightly, God's not going to withhold good from you. So stand in those promises. Is there an area of friendship that you personally could work on? Are your friendships based on Jesus? Ask God to put someone on your heart that you can be that friend too, somebody that you can go and you can encourage and they might be like wow why is this person so nice to me and that you can have that bond but because you have shown them Jesus look what are you doing with the gift of friendship that God's given you are you are you are your friendships based on eternal eternity or temporal issues that won't last Do you have the right expectations in friendships? Are you willing to make an investment in someone as a friend, knowing that you may not get a return? That's a hard, that's a real question to ask. Are you willing to let go of a friendship in order to allow new friendships to grow? For eternity, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're his child. And as his child, we also get the great privilege of serving our Savior we are his children, we're his servants, and forever we're his sisters, and we're his eternal friends, and we're seen by him. Isn't that beautiful? Let's leave here today having the confidence of knowing who we are in Christ, that we are sisters, therefore we can be the best of friends. I left a timeless truths of friendships just some just a few verses on friendships read through those study those out if you struggle with friendships it's a it they're just beautiful truths study those and ask God to give you a friend let's pray Lord thank you for the opportunity to be here Lord the ladies have been so receptive it is it's an amazing opportunity to share your word Lord, I pray that what has been said will not just be left here. I pray they'll take it with them. Lord, I pray that they'll go back to their churches and they will befriend people who need their friendship. They will look for people of different ages, of different nationalities, of different statuses. Lord, I pray they will look for women that they can truly invest in and they can show your love too. Lord, I pray that they will truly just grow as sisters in Christ. Lord, thank you so much for giving us the family of God, because it's a truly amazing thing. As we go home, pray you protect us and just bless us as we continue to do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.